afternoon. Thank you for joining us today on the MBA show. I'm your host, Kate Constable. He's Chris Farley. He's Josh C. They are our expert MBA handicappers. Josh, you weren't on the show yesterday, but Chris, you've heard why we call you an expert yesterday. You went three for three last night. I was nervous for you in both the Celtics and Knicks games down the stretch. They have ultimately pulled it out. Both teams were able to cover and win and a great night for you. Yeah, it was one of those odd nights where everything just bounced my way. It was really nice to just used to see that. I'm glad I didn't play on the Lakers either because Lakers ended up really, I mean, they really didn't even have a shot in that entire game. They were down by double digits for most of it. Anthony Davis got kicked out. So glad that I played on the right sides and glad that I avoided that. Well, looks great for our overall record too. So we appreciate um, all your winning there. Josh, how was your night yesterday? It was nice and simple, a busy day, but uh, much the same, 2-0, and so good day all around, I think, for everyone yesterday in the NBA, and credit to you, Chris, for jumping on that Celtic bandwagon. I'm glad they got it done for you. That was nervous watching for me. <laughs> yeah, finally a win for your uh, Celtics, Josh. Congratulations. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. We you are back. To... Yes, you are. Getting back. I'm not sure I'd say you're fully back yet, but getting back, which is better. Uh, it's six and one on the show yesterday. We'll have a repeat performance tonight. Taking a look at our record for the season, still doing very well, especially after last night. We are sitting at 80 and 58 overall, 19 eight and 18 for me. Uh, Josh, you are at 15 and 13, and Chris, 26 and 13 overall, a winning record by a by a strong margin. Join us in the betting. Head over to BetUS. Use the promo code MBA2022. Gets you a nice 125% sign-up bonus up to $2,500. And send us your questions throughout the show. We'd love to get those answered. There's the chat feature uh, that you can send those in. And also let us know who you're betting on. Let us know if you are um, on our same side for these picks. If you're going against us, we would just love to hear um, what your thoughts are on all of these games. And we will discuss that towards the end of the show. Kick things off today with a potential finals preview. Golden State Warriors in Brooklyn tonight to take on the Nets. The Nets are a three-point favorite at home. Total is 222. Both of these teams, great starts to the season. The Warriors have the best record. They have a seven-game win streak that came to an end with the loss to the Hornets on Sunday. Meanwhile, though, Nets have won eight of their last nine. Their only loss during that stretch came to the Bulls. They are, however, without Joe Harris, Paul Millsap, and Nick Claxton tonight. Chris, you are playing the first quarter total over 55. Both of these teams rank in the top three in first quarter scoring, but they also both rank in the top 10 in defensive efficiency. What makes you think that this is going to be an explosive start to this game? Yeah, well, I think it's at 56 and a half now, but I'll, but I'll still take that. I have this first quarter ending up around 59 and a half. Uh, I, I love this angle for just the start of this game. You know, what what a marquee game, big showdown. Finally, on one of these uh, small slates, you know, we get a, a big game that we can at least tune into. Uh, you know, typically, although there's not, I'm, I'm not going to claim that I have data on this. This is sort of anecdotal, but there's a big showcase games like this with a lot of talented offenses. And, you know, in the first quarter, it just, it feels like, NBA teams just love to like open up the floor and get a lot of shots out and kind of put up points. And that's what these teams do all the time anyway. The Nets average 29 points per game in the first quarter. Uh, and then they're also 23rd in points allowed. Uh, they're allowing around 28 points per game. So they start off hot, but their defense doesn't. The Warriors, on the other hand, they average 31.4 points in the first quarter. They're first in the NBA. They always come out strong. Uh, and they're 26th in opponent in opponent points per game, uh, allowing about 29 points per game. So 
Is there a reason to believe that this is going to have a playoff feel and they're going to play hard defense right away? Sure. But both of these teams have strengths that I think, you know, come up against the other team really well. Uh, Draymond will probably do a decent job on Kevin Durant, but he's not going to be able to stop him. You know, Bruce Brown and Patty Mills are not going to be able to fully stop Steph. Uh, both teams are top 10 in pace, so I just like them to come out, start off hot. I love that Steph Curry was 3 for 13 in his last game in that loss against Charlotte. Love that for this game, to him to come out on fire. He usually does after a shot. I mean, the team shot 23% from beyond the arc in that game, so I expect the Warriors to come out hot. Uh, both these teams performed well in the first quarter, so I, I do have another bet in this game, but for now, first quarter over, love it. And you talk a lot about motivation and motivation spots or whatnot, but this is a very motivational game in terms of these are two of the best teams right now. These are two teams that could meet in the playoffs, uh, possibly in, in the finals. So, yes, both of these teams, you can expect them to come out hot, come out um, with a great start to this game. Josh, Joe Harris, Paul Millsap, and Nick Claxton all out for Brooklyn tonight. And the Warriors being one of the best teams in the league at this point, are you surprised the Nets are the favored team here? Um, a little bit, but not really at the same time. So my number does come out minus three and a half for Brooklyn here. I show a slight edge towards them. I don't think the outs are too big of a concern for them, just given how well they're able to sort of accommodate for those, especially when you, as long as those two superstars are in and healthy, I think they'll be able to negate that just fine. This game, though, I think is just a great opportunity for us to really gauge exactly how good both these teams are. Um, both have sort of beaten up on weaker schedules, and I think, you know, the opportunity to see them come up against high-caliber opposition and to get a better understanding of where they rank, particularly the Warriors, is uh, super intriguing for me. I'm going to be blatantly honest, I'm not particularly confident in my rating on the Warriors at this point. I'm a little bit lower on them than what the market is, I think, and have been pretty much the whole season. So it'll be good to see whether they start to fall back in line to where I have them or whether they are genuinely a much better team, I think, than I anticipated coming into the season, especially in the early parts anyway. So a lot to digest in this game. My concern, I think, for Golden State here is just the frequency of three-pointers that they give up per game. Uh, the three-point percentage allowed isn't high, but I think that's something that's just, you know such a variable on a night-to-night where I don't know how much control teams really have over that. You know, when a team shoots well, a team shoots well. I think the bigger concern is the fact that they do allow a higher three-point frequency per game than any team in the NBA right now. And obviously the Nets love to let it fly from deep and they have the players capable of hitting it even without Joe Harris. So if they are able to find their range early, especially Harden, especially Durant, then you know, are the Warriors able to keep up in that style of shootout, just given the fact that I think the Nets' defense is probably a little bit undervalued as a whole. So, like I said, a lot to sort of digest in this game, a lot, I think, to take away from it at the end of it as well, regardless of the result. But in terms of the individual betting from a you know single-game standpoint, it's a bit of a pass for me here, as much as I would like to get involved with the Nets, I think, just given that we are a little bit too close to my number for my liking. Chris, on the other side, we just heard Josh talk about how he's not quite sure where his number is on the Warriors based on who they played this season, yet you have the Warriors plus three in this game. What makes you confident in them tonight? Yeah, I'm, I'm a believer in the Warriors. Um, I'm a believer in the Warriors for many reasons, but just kind of watching the fluidity and continuity when they're playing together. Uh, I, I'll, I'll start off by saying this. I mean, I, I was really hoping 
that they would lose to the Hornets, uh, which they did. I mean, and you know, how could you? I mean, how could you expect that? They've only lost twice this year. Uh, but that sets up well in this game as far as not that the Warriors need any motivation in this game. This could, you know, this could be the championship right at the end of the season. Uh, but it's, it sets up a little better for the Warriors, I think. You know, a, a, a good shooting, a team as proficient on offense as they've been. I mean, they're third overall. Their net rating is first overall. Uh, you have to expect some significant positive regression after a performance like that. Defense is also first overall. I mean, this is a team, neither of these teams have been playing a great slate or a strong schedule so far, like Josh said. So it's tough to really grade them based off of that. But the Warriors have been doing their job, and they've been very consistent with it. Uh, like I said, I love that Curry didn't have a great shooting night, neither did the rest of the team. And for me, this is a little bit of a case study in leadership. I've been feeling this way about Steph Curry and about Kevin Durant for a long time. Uh, there are There's pretty significant differences between the way Curry leads and Durant leads. You know, Curry... He's a, he's a leader. Is clearly the star of the team, but he, he just he comes off as a humble guy. He's a facilitator. Durant, I think, is probably the best pure talent in the NBA right now. I think it's kind of hard to argue the way that he scores. That being said, he can come across a little self-interested. You know, this Nets team has had some continuity and fluidity issues from what we've seen. You know, there just hasn't been as consistent as we've seen from the Warriors. The Warriors are a younger team. They're more athletic. You have players in there like Blake Griffin, who's a liability from game to game. You know, he's just getting old. Six six points per game, five rebounds per game. I mean, that's, you know, slow clap for that one. Uh, I mean, he, he had a negative 14-point differential against a good offense in Chicago. So, what's you know, what, what kind of liability is it going to be tonight? It's not good that Joe Harris is out for the Nets either. I actually have this game as minus one on the Warriors. Perhaps I am a little too bullish on the Warriors at this point in the year because it's scary to make some assumptions about a team this early in the season. Uh, the only thing that has me really a little nervous about this is the man in curse. Now, I don't know if you two know about this, but Draymond Green was on Monday Night Football last night with Eli and Peyton, and every single time an athlete has been on that show, the next game they lose. So, fortunately... The, the Warriors can still lose. They can still cover, so that'd be great for me. Uh, hopefully, Draymond doesn't have a horrible game after being on the Manning cast. <laughs> but uh, I, 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 I like the Warriors. I like their coaching. I like how they play as a team. Uh, and if it comes down to a team against Duran holding it on his shoulder at the end, as unbelievable as Duran is, I think the Warriors can pull this one out. So I have to take plus three. Chris, you stole my fun fact. The Manning cast. <laughs> and, and people who appeared on that, that was my fun fact for this game. I was so excited. But no, if, they, if they lose, but still, um, if they lose and fail to cover, you can blame the Manning brothers for that one. That can right. it's not my chalk fault. that up to uh, Peyton and Eli's fault. Official picks for this game. Chris has two plays here. He's playing the Warriors, full game at plus three. And then the first quarter over uh, for both teams, the total there, 56 and a half. Moving on to the 76ers. They're in Utah tonight to take on the Jazz. The Jazz are a 10-point favorite at home, total is 216. The Sixers are still without Embiid. They've lost their last four. Obviously, 0-4 straight up, that means. But they've also gone 0-4 against the spread without Embiid. Meanwhile, the Jazz, not great on their end either. They've lost their last two, got crushed by the Pacers at home, and then lost to Miami. So they're looking to get back on track uh, in this one tonight as well. Josh, you like the Sixers plus 10 tonight. Why is that? Yeah, look, I just can't get to this number. Um, like you said, I think maybe given the form that they're in at the moment, we're kind of just getting 
a few too many points as a result for the 76ers as the books try to sort of adjust for what team they are right now. But I think that's more down to the fact that they were being a little bit overvalued in those games and now we're getting a massive overreaction the other way. Just like I said, my number sort of comes out between a seven and a half and an eight here. And I just, no matter what adjustments I make, I cannot get it to a 10. And it looks like you might even be able to get a little bit better closer to tip off. Who knows which way this one's going. Um, the Jazz, I don't think quite merit this level of respect. Like I said in previous shows, you're going to be paying a premium for them in the regular season. And I do understand that, especially at home. But, you know, you compare the 76ers to some of the teams that have had to come to Utah previously, and I have them rated better than the likes of Indiana. I have them rated probably on par with that very shorthanded Miami team that came here. You know, Miami... I think they were missing Jimmy Butler and a couple of others from the rotation as well in that game in Utah. And they closed at eight and a half. You had Indiana come here off the back of a horrible game against Denver in a tough schedule spot. And they caught 10 and a half by tip off. Um, I think it's fair to say that this Sixers team, even with Embiid out, probably merits a little bit more respect than both of those. And yet you can get a 10 for Philadelphia here who are well rested and come into it, you know, pretty much on equal, uh, equal sort of fatigue factor, I guess, with Utah. So, like I said, it doesn't matter what I sort of do to my ratings and how I adjust them. I just cannot merit this getting to nine and a half, even 10. You know, like I said, it might get to a 10 and a half, in which case you're getting some really good value on the 76ers here. We kind of are waiting for Utah's offense to just click and for those three pointers to start going down. It hasn't happened yet. Um, you know, maybe that offense a little bit predictable for a team like the 76ers, who I think are feisty enough to at least close out to shooters and keep things a little bit tense and rugged throughout here, in which case this number is going to start to look really high as we enter that second half, assuming Philadelphia can sort of find their rhythm offensively, which they have done for the most part this season and are able to do that at least going into the half. So like I said, I think the plus 10, probably just too many points here, given that I'm sitting at a seven and a half, maybe an eight, even if I do make extra adjustments. You talk about their losses to the Pacers and the Heat. They've lost three of their last five games, one favored by eight and a half points or more. This game opened at as the as the Jazz is an eight and a half favorite all the way up to 10, possibly 10 and a half by tip off. I'm also with you, Josh. I'm going to take the Sixers uh, plus 10. They're still top of the league in offensive efficiency in their last four games, even without Embiid. And the Jazz defense hasn't been great. They rank 24th in defensive efficiency over these last five games. So I just as well can't lay this big of a number with the Jazz. I have in the past, you know, thinking that this Jazz team was going to look like the same team that we've uh, seen in the first couple games of the season. Uh, I just can't make that same mistake this time. So I'm playing the Sixers uh, plus 10 in this one tonight as well. Chris, you're going to stay off this game tonight. Are you concerned? I'm a little concerned about this, but are you concerned that this is the game where the Jazz really get back on track and start playing like the team that we saw start off the season? It's always a concern with the Jazz at home, that's for sure. And it, it sets up well. I hate to always add this part of it, but it, it sets up well for the sports books. I mean, we saw that last night, Monday Night Football. I keep bringing up these NFL references, but everybody was on the Rams. And what happened? The 49ers just blew out the Rams at home. A lot of money won by the sports books in that one. We have 77% from what I'm seeing on Vegas Insider of the bets um, are on the um, is actually on, on Philly in this one, and yet the line moved the other way. So that's 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 a little spooky. Uh, but there's still probably a lot of money going in on the Jazz here. Uh, you know, it's it's Josh brought up a really good point about the Jazz's three-point shooting and really bad three-point shooting in those two losses from home. Uh, also, just bad on defense, like you noted, Kate, 50% from the field. 
is what Miami shot, and then Indiana shot 45%. There's the Jazz at home, uh, usually considerably better defensive effort. So that's what scares me a little bit here, is that there probably will be positive regression from the Jazz tonight. And But, you know, to all of your points, I mean, the, the 76ers, this isn't a game that they can mail in. I mean, they have tonight against Utah, and they have a horrifying road stretch ahead. They have Denver on Thursday, Portland Saturday, Sacramento Monday, and Golden State next Wednesday. That's five away games in the next week. Uh, that's rough. And it, things are about to get a lot worse if they don't at least put forth effort and try to win some of these games. I don't, I don't see the 76ers mailing this one in. This number and the way that it's climbing is mystifying a little bit to me. But this, this is probably going to be an autoplay for me by the end of the night. Just because I, like Josh, I have this at about seven and a half. So there's just too much value on the 76ers here. And, you know, we brought up Danny Green before the show, too, and how he's missing. I mean, you know, this team might be better with Tyrese Maxey and the way that he's playing. I mean, he's really showing a lot of confidence, really kind of, you know, coming into his own uh, with this team. I and mean, I could see him being a starter maybe uh, later parts of the year or so. Uh, this is 76ers team that's going to fight. Tobias Harris is still in this game. Uh, so it, I think the value is absolutely on Philly. Just that, that line movement piece is a little a little spooky. That is a little spooky. But, yeah, I agree. Tyrese Maxey's had an outstanding last couple games, really flourished, uh, getting more minutes in that lineup. So interesting one tonight with how big this number is. But official picks, Josh and I are both going to play the Sixers plus 10. Um, and hope the Jazz don't uh, catch fire from three tonight. Moving on to the San Antonio Spurs. They're in L.A. Took on the Lakers the other night. Tonight, they're taking on the Clippers. The Clippers are a seven-and-a-half-point favorite at home. This line opened at six-and-a-half. has climbed up a little bit. Also opened at 219 as the total, but is all the way up to 2220. Josh, you're playing this game. You like the Spurs team total under 106-and-a-half. But both of these teams play a similar fast-paced style. Clippers are ranked six in pace. Spurs are seven. So why do you like the under here for the Spurs team total? Yeah, I mean, they do both rank in terms of, like you said, uh, the pace of play quite high. But I just love this Clippers defense and how they accommodate to playing against teams who like to play in transition and like to play on the fast break. And you know, the Clippers are a top five team in terms of stopping fast break opportunities and one of the top teams in the league in efficiency against transition offense as well. So I just don't know how the Spurs are going to be able to score with consistency against this Clippers team, especially if LA does do a good job of stopping that, especially off of live rebounds and misses where they force the Spurs into half court sets. And when it comes to that sort of matchup, I just don't have any faith in San Antonio's offense on a nightly basis anyway, particularly not against one of the best defensive rating teams in the NBA. So Scoring could be at a premium for them here. And if I look sort of through the Spurs schedule so far this season, the only team with a similar defensive identity to the Clippers that they faced is Denver. And, you know, they put up 96 points that night and, you know, they struggled to get to 96 points as well from memory. So, again, they've been sort of the beneficiary of, I think, playing some weaker defenses, Orlando a couple of times, the Lakers a couple of times. And it's kind of made that offense seem a little bit better than what it is. When it comes to matching up against some of the top-tier defensive sides, I just don't have any faith in them. They're, you know, bottom of the NBA in terms of three-point percentage attempts per game. And, you know, when you look at the rest of that roster, if they're not scoring from deep and they're not taking shots from deep, they don't really have anyone that's an out-and-out sort of isolation scorer or someone that they can lean on to go and get a bucket for them when they need it the most. And, you know, like I said, against a Clippers team that's performing as well as they are at that end of the floor, 
points probably going to be at a premium for them here. So this one actually one of my favorite players for the night. Uh, the model has San Antonio scoring 101 points, so a couple points below that team total here. I wouldn't be surprised if they struggle to crack 100 again in this game, though, to be perfectly honest. The Clippers are also coming off of a, well, not coming off, um, they had a seven-game win streak going. They lost to the Bulls pretty bad, so you've got to imagine that they are wanting to get a bounce-back game here, get back on track to where they were really locking on the defensive end. They did not look great defensively against the Bulls, uh, so I, I like your move there, Josh. Uh, Chris, this is the start of a three and four for the Clippers. They go on the road next to Memphis, New Orleans, not the two toughest teams, but do you have any concern here with the spot that the Clippers are in tonight? No, the Spurs have to go on the road in two days too. So it's a pretty similar spot advantage. You know, Clippers still at home, at least for this one. Uh, you know, the, the Clippers will probably struggle this year when they have to go against explosive offenses. We saw that when Chicago uh, against you know against Chicago, they actually did a pretty good job on defense in that game. They just didn't shoot the ball very well. But uh, you know the Spurs on the other hand, Josh said everything so well, and I'm in total agreement with him. I mean the Spurs have the 26th uh, strength of schedule so far, um, and yet they're four nine, right? And they've just seen very pedestrian on offense. Uh, they just you know nothing really stands out or jumps off the page. Great point by Josh too about how they really don't have someone to turn to to make those clutch shots. You know when things start to get away from them. Uh, like you said, Kay, Clippers won seven games in a row before the, losing to Chicago. I think I think the defense has their way tonight. This is probably a bet that I'm going to unofficially steal from from Josh uh, because I think that's the best play here. I don't I don't I don't see how the Spurs, a very um, just not not very impressive offense, is going to put up a ton of a ton of points against the Clippers here. This is a this is a game that the Clippers can win, and they're going to and they typically win these games because they shoot better from the perimeter. And they really put on the Jets on their defense. So um, I, my number has this at Clippers minus six. So I'm not going to really touch it. You know, I think I think the value is pretty close to where the the line has it. But the but the total going under or the team total going under for the Spurs, I think, are pretty pretty darn good calls. Official picks for this game: Josh playing the Spurs team total under 106. Unofficial play for this game. Chris also playing the Spurs team total under 106. Steele and Josh's play. I might have to get in on that with you guys as well. All right. So questions for today. Short slate. So we have cruised through that today, you guys. Player props, of course. That's the question. Uh, Josh, I'm not going to start with you because I'm going to give you a little time to think about this. I know you're not the player prop guy. Appreciate Chris, it. <laughs> any player props for you today? Yeah, well, let me bring up some props on my end here. The old bet US book. Um, if anything, I would look at, you know, when stars are facing each other in a big highlight game, you expect the stars to go off a little bit, right? It's almost like the NBA sets that up. Uh, so I would look at Steph Curry. Uh, I mean, his line is set at 30 and a half points right now. And, the, you know, the Nets, uh, to Josh's point earlier, are, are better than people think on defense this year. They've been playing pretty well, top 10 in a lot of categories. Uh, but that being said, I think Curry and Durant will – We'll get theirs. Uh, I don't know where Durant said. I'm not going to keep looking at my phone here live in a podcast. But, uh, but, but I would look at Durant and Steph Curry, particularly in Steph Curry, who had that down game in his last uh, against Charlotte. So Curry is almost always good for a comeback effort after that in a big game. So this is you know this is a marquee game for him to show out for his team. Chris, question on that: Do the books? How much do the books adjust after Curry has a bad game? Do they, you know, does his play, his points prop 
go down a little bit or do they adjust knowing that this is a big game that he might be getting up for more so maybe they anticipate him having more points how does how does that play out yeah that would be a fantastic data point to follow just on a player basis i i don't have that data on my end uh just you know anecdotally from experience i know that he usually steps up but also anecdotally um from what I noticed, the, the numbers usually are a little bit larger after a bad performance. Uh, you know, Steph Curry's lines aren't, aren't always at 30, you know, mm-hmm. especially against a good defense in a big game. So, uh, you know, it's been moving up a little bit probably this year just because he has put up so many huge uh, totals already. But uh, I, I don't know, Josh, maybe you have data on that. I don't I don't know if the books uh, necessarily adjust to that every time, but that, but that would make sense, especially – a player like Steph Curry and the kind of prowess he has. He's, he's rarely has two bad shooting nights. Right. Yeah. Right, Josh. Uh, no, I was just going to say on, on top of that, I don't think there's any adjustments necessarily on a game to game like that. So that's kind of where if you are confident in what you see and what you've you know learned, I guess, from having watched these situations unfold in the past, you can potentially find your edge there. Um, given that the books aren't going to make drastic adjustments i don't think from a game-to-game basis and probably just have confidence in their number on a nightly basis so yeah i think if you do like to follow that then that's probably where you're going to find angles um in terms of me offering player props let's see let's go with uh let's go with the spurs game and given that you know i have them going under the total i have them struggling i think Derek white to go under his points rebounds assists is probably really good he's someone struggling for form drastically at the moment um we've seen excuse me we've seen in games so far this season where when he's gotten off to a slow start, when Spurs have fallen behind, it seems like Popovich is happy to lean on Devin Vassell to come in and to occupy those minutes and to help space the floor a little bit more with some more reliable scoring than what White's shown so far. So it sort of all pans out that way as well. I think if Bledsoe ends up on White, you know, maybe he probably spends more time on DeJounte Murray, but if he does spend time on White, I think you're going to find it difficult for Derek White to find any sort of momentum and rhythm with his shot. And so that might... Re- might end up in some limited minutes as well, or at least a drop-off in minutes on what his season average is, in which case you're probably going to get a good look there. See, that's fantastic. You say you're not the player prop guy. <laughs> points, rebounds, assists, under for White. That's I love it. Might have to play that one tonight. Yeah, yeah might, might have to just move into full-time prop betting. I right. think yeah, Josh, I feel like you've like hit every every prop bet that you've talked about, so maybe you should. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have. I wasn't going to mention it because I didn't want to jinx it. But yeah, I think we're off to a good start Oops. in the player prop career. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was. I was just going to add. Uh, you know, not all sports books are made the same, and BetUS does offer those over and under props, right? So you can go under on a player if you don't expect them to perform well. Not all books offer that, so that's a great thing that BetUS has. So take it. You know, take advantage of some under sometimes too, even though they're not as fun. Yeah, yeah Derek fun. White unders, right? Yeah. Exclusively, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, let's take a look at our best bets for today, excluding those props, but something to keep in mind there. Okay, Warriors plus three for Chris. He's also playing the Warriors and Nets first quarter over 56 and a half. So two plays on that game for Chris. Uh, Josh and I are both on the 76ers plus 10 at the Jazz tonight. And then Josh taking the Spurs team total under 106 and a half. That is all a short slate today, gentlemen. Um, still some great games to watch tonight, especially that Warriors, um, Nets game. That will be a fun one and fun one to talk about tomorrow. We'll see what happens and we will see you all then. Thanks for joining us.